Good morning, everyone. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we welcome those who are joining us online. I, I love that opening video. I love the titles that describe David's life. Humble Shepherd. Mighty Warrior. Giant Slayer. Gifted Poet. And then they put in Flawed Man. Not perfect. Flawed Man. Legendary King. And as I was thinking about those titles, I was reminded they, they left one out. That we often forget about. Fugitive. How many remember that for eight years of David's life, he was fleeing from King Saul who was trying to kill him? Eight years as a fugitive. Well, if you weren't with us last week, we took a look that during the moon festival, the new moon festival, King Saul had this this big festival, this big banquet where David was missing from the table. And King Saul became just furious. And he, he lashes out to his son, Jonathan. Where, where's David? How come he's missing from this king's table? And of course, Jonathan gave, made up an excuse. And the king told his son, Jonathan, as long as the son of Jesse, that's David, lives on earth. Now we see how controlling the king was. Now he makes a threat to Jonathan. Neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him, bring David to me. For he must die. Of course, Jonathan tells David and David flees. David flees flees to a place called Nam where he lies to Ahimelech the priest in order for him to have provisions and to get a weapon. And the weapon just happened to be the sword of Goliath. And then David flees to Gath. That's where Goliath is from. And they all become suspicious. Here's David with Goliath's sword. And and they become suspicious, and, and David becomes afraid, so he has to become like a crazy man. He He starts letting his drool draw down his beard and start scratching at the door frames and acts crazy, he acts insane, and, and he flees to a cave called Adullam by himself. Now, there's something in this part of the story that I didn't give last week, but I just want you to pick up on this because it's a part of this week's story. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, They went down to him there in in that cave. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered about him. Well, there's a happy party for you. (laughs) 
if, if, if David is not depressed now, well, well when he sounds when he hangs around a bunch of distressed, in debt, and discontented men, and he be, and he becomes their leader. About four hundred men were with him. During this time, King Saul finds about David what he did at the tabernacle and asked for provisions and the sword and finds out the priest gave him that. And he just becomes infuriated, calls that priest in, and orders Doeg, his servant, to kill 85 priests and wipes out the whole town of Nob. Wipes it out. All the inhabitants, all the livestock. And David takes responsibility. I'm responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Can you imagine David, how he must have felt, along with all those who were distressed, in debt, and discontented? And today... We're going to see David on the verge of making another colossal mistake. Another bad decision. But isn't that the way it usually is? When you're in a downward spiral, things go from bad to worse because of your decisions you're making. And as I have always said, if you find yourself in a hole, come on. Stop digging. If you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And David, I mean at the very last moment. And when I say the very last moment, literally it's the very last moment from making this colossal mistake. He saved by a woman. Woohoo. Now I'm going to say something. Well, first let me ask how many men have been saved by your wife at the last moment from making a terrible mistake? <laughs> Thank you for your honesties. <laughs> and now I'm going to make a statement that's my own personal belief based upon 40 years of ministry. Generally speaking, and I'm not saying all, but generally speaking, and hear me out, women are better at discerning than men as a whole. Women have better discernment than men as a whole. And I see some of, you out, some of you men are there saying, Pastor, I'll meet you in the parking lot after the service. I want to talk about Abigail's way. From 1 Samuel chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to chapter 25, or you have your electronic device, you want to call it up. But before we get there, how many are familiar with the golden rule? 
You know what the golden rule is, right? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Now, that is so simple, isn't it? You just treat others the way you want to be treated. You do unto others how you want others to do unto you. It's, it's, it's so simple. Until someone mistreats you. And someone disrespects you. Someone's rude. Someone cuts you off. Someone cuts in front of line. And then all of a sudden, the golden rule becomes due to others as others have done unto you. Get even. Hey, I'm only doing what they did to me. And we lower our standards. We stoop to their level. And we begin to act like them, like they acted to us. After all, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. I'm just getting back at what they did to me. Well, in 1 Samuel 25, we're going to take a look at three characters. Three responses and one hero. Chapter 25, verse 1, talks about how all of Israel is grieving, is mourning the death of Samuel. And David moves down to the desert of Moan. Moan. Where else do you go with a bunch of people who are discontented, in debt, and distressed? Moan. Moan. And there we're introduced to a certain man who is very wealthy, very influential. He has a thousand goats, three thousand sheep, and is talking about that it's sheep shearing time. And now all of a sudden, this certain man is given a name. His name is Nabal. Now, Nabal means full. And the Bible describes him as surly, surly, harsh, not friendly. And he's evil or he's ruthless in his dealings. Unfriendly, mean, harsh, evil in his dealings. But it also says that he's a descendant of Caleb. He's a Calebite, which means he's an Israel. He's an Israelite. And he comes from the house of or the tribe of Judah. Now, that's very important to understand. He comes from the tribe of Judah. Put that in your memory bank. So he's... Shearing his sheep in Carmel. David just happens to be around there. And he hears about how Nabal is shearing his sheep. And David says to ten men, 
go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Why greet him in my name? Because David is a folk hero. David is known throughout the whole countryside because of him fighting Goliath. Plus, David, if you know your lineage, is from the house of or the tribe of Judah. So he's going to a kinsman. Greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you. Good health to you and your household. Good health to all that is yours. Greet him in my name. And David just desires that you and your family are prosperous. Say to him, now I, now I hear it's sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. The whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. So obviously, Nabal must have had his shepherds around the pastures of Carmel. And David must have had his men out there camping and he protected them. Therefore... Be favorable towards my young men since we come at this fest of time. We'll get back to that. Please give your servants and your sons, David, whatever you can find for them. Remember, David's the leader of 400 men out in the wilderness. Instead of going to war to get provisions, he's he's just asking someone else from the tribe of Judah during sheep shearing time, now sheep shearing time, like, like summertime is to ice cream shops, like Easter is to chocolate factories, this is a time when Nabal is just adding up his profit. 3,000 sheep being sheared, the wool, the fleece, the whatever they call it, is just piling up and, 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 and he sees his profits piling up. It, it's a fest of time. It, it's a time when, when even a man like him becomes generous because in verse 36 of chapter 25, we see him throwing a party for his men like that of a king. So David knows. This is a good time to ask, and I have these men to take care of. So David's ten men go down and, and very friendly, asking for some provision. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Come on, he knows who he is. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my workers, my shearers, and give it to men coming from who knows where? After all, What have you done for me? Did I ask you to protect? Did I ask you to take care of my men? And we see Nabal returning evil for good. Nabal could be described as maniacal, 
if you describe someone's behavior as maniacal, it means they're just out of control. It just means they're almost insane. Maniacal, crazy. So David's men come back and report about the maniacal actions of Nabal. Now, how do you think David's going to respond to the words that Nabal tells his ten men? David's going to return evil for evil. David says to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords. And David put on his. About 400 men went with David while 200 stayed with their supplies. David is just frustrated. Remember last week I gave the acronym HOLT that many recovery centers use? HOLT. If you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're alone, T. Or if you're tired, (laughs) there you go. If you're tired, those are warning signs where you're more susceptible to self-destruction. David is tired. David's just angry. He's providing for now 600 men who need provisions. I'm sure they're hungry. He's living in the desert. And David's thinking to himself, Hey, if it wasn't for me, Nabal wouldn't have the prophet that he has right now. If it wasn't for me and my protection, hey, I'm just asking you to give a little of your profit to me and my guys because we protected you. David doesn't understand. He says, I'm just going to get even. Now, as David goes to confront Nabal, we find him, I I say this, this is how I interpret it. We find him talking to, you ever talk to yourself? He's talking to himself. He says, he says, I don't know who he says. He might have said it to other men, but I think he was saying it to himself. Because when you're on the verge of making a bad decision, Usually you talk to yourself and you try to justify what you're about to do because you know what you're about to do isn't right, but you try to talk yourself into justifying that it is right. Some of you are shaking your heads. You know what I'm talking about. And if you have to justify what you're about to do, that's a warning sign that what you're about to do probably is not the best thing to do. David had just said, Who? Maybe to him, this is useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the desert so that nothing of his was missing, and he has paid back evil for good. May God deal with David ever be so severely. If by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him, what's David out to do? David's out to kill destroy, annihilate for the evil actions towards the good he showed. Now David's going to pay back 
evil with evil. David's just predictable. Because let's be honest. Aren't we like that? We know the golden rule until the person at the drive-thru is just rude to us. Or the sales clerk. Or someone cuts us off. The light turns green and someone's blowing the horn behind you. And you're like, just turn green. And all of a sudden, you, they speed around you and, and they go ahead and then at the next light, you're right alongside of them. And you're just like, got you real far. It's just predictable. It's, it's what we do. When someone is rude, nasty, to us, we're very predictable. We're just mean, rotten, and nasty back to them. But as this story goes on, I'm telling you, there is something that is just remarkable. As we take a look at the third character of the story that just happens to be a woman who pays back good for evil. And my friends, I'm telling you, this part of the story is just remarkable. A servant of Nabal comes and tells Nabal's wife, Abigail. David sent messengers down to the desert to give our master his greetings and your husband hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. The whole time they were, they were out in the fields with us, nothing of ours were missing. Day and night they were a wall around us, all the time herding our sheep. They, they were near us. They, they protected. They're just, they are just confirming every word that David said they did. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Only you. And Abigail, she wastes no time After she heard what took place, she wastes no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five salies of roasted grain, some cannolis, and some tiramisu. All you have to do is knock on my door with some cannolis and tiramisu. She loads them on her donkey, and and she told her servants, now go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not 
tell her husband. Remember that. She didn't tell her husband. And Abigail meets David's men as they're descending from a mountain into a ravine. And what takes place, my friends, next is purely remarkable. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey, bowed down before David with her face to the ground. You find anything strange? Here's David, a fugitive. He's gone rogue. He's with his men about ready to attack her husband and her family members. Here she is, a wealthy wife of a very influential man. David should be bowing before her, but yet she bows before him. You see what she's trying to do? She's trying to diffuse the problem. She falls at his feet and says, My Lord, let me, let the blame be on me. Let your servant speak to you, hear what your servant has to say. She's subservient. She's not his servant, but she's subservient. But she's also preaching, she's also uttering some prophetic words because she knows that one day he will be king. My Lord, may my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He's just like his name. His name is full. And folly goes before him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. Still calling him master. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and avenging yourself with your own hands. Now, that's a little insight to something that previous took place when David was in the cave way in the back and King Saul went into the cave to, well, Scripture says to relieve himself. You just David snuck up, snipped part of King Saul's robe, and, and, and he was, oh, I shouldn't have. David could have avenged himself. David had the king right in his own hands. So the one who was out to kill him, David could have taken revenge and killed him. Now, since the Lord kept you, my master, from bloodshed and avenging yourself with your own hands, She's basically saying, why are you avenging yourself now? As surely as the Lord lives, as you live, may my enemies and all those who intend to harm you be like my master, Nabal. Fools. Please forgive your servant's offense. For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master. You see what she's doing? 
She's not, oh, please don't, please don't follow through with this. Please don't go, please don't hurt my, my husband. Please don't hurt his family. Please don't do what, what you're about to do. No. She speaks about his future. She reminds him of the Lord's potential. She speaks words of affirmation. For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he what? He fights the Lord's battles. The battle is the Lord's when you went up against that giant. This battle is not the Lord's. This battle is just between two hard-headed men from the same tribe. Let no wrongdoing be found as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing to take your life. She knows that King Saul is out to kill him. Even though someone is pursuing to take your life, the life... Listen. The life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle. Oh. What in the world does that mean? By the living of the bundle of the living, by the Lord my God. What is she referencing to? Your life. The life will be bound securely in a bundle. It's a reference to whatever was of great value was put into a bag, tied securely. That of, it's, it's almost like a wallet. It's almost like a woman's pocketbook. That which is of value, money, is stored in a wallet. Money is stored in a pocketbook, safely, securely. I, I remember when, when I used to, our family used to travel a little on conventions and, and, and overseas, and my dad had a money belt. Remember money belts? And they had a zipper inside that you opened up the zipper and you put big bills in there and then you zippered it shut in case you got pickpocketed. You weren't in a foreign country without money because you still had money on your money belt. This is, what, this is what she's saying. She's saying, my master, your life is so valuable. Your life is in the king's wallet. Your, your life is, is secure in the, king's, in, the, in the Lord's God's money belt. Your life is, is in the, the pocketbook of a woman buried deep underneath all the other stuff. Sorry, ladies. Your life is protected. When, when, not if, when the Lord... Please, not if. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he's promised concerning him and anointed him as leader over Israel, Abigail knows that David's been anointed and the Lord will fulfill on that promise and someday he will be king. My master will not have on his conscience this staggering burden, this needless bloodshed of having avenged himself. When you're king someday, I'm trying to spare you that when you're king, you don't have on the... Right now you have the, on your conscience... Those 85 priests don't add more to your conscience with destroying Nabal. 
And all of a sudden, that, that's what... Now, do you wonder why women have more discernment than the men? She's just amazing how she's speaking to him. And all of a sudden, his heart starts to change. His emotional temperature starts to lower. And all of a sudden, he realizes, yeah, you're talking about the story. When this is all over, what story am I going to tell? As a king, am I going to tell about how I had this confrontation with one of my kingsmen and I just wiped him out? Why have this on your conscience? And all of a sudden, David praises the Lord. God has sent you to me. He accepts all her hand. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, go home in peace. I have ever your words. I've granted your request. If it wasn't for you, Nabal and his men would, wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for you. So Abigail goes back. David turns around with his men, go back. And now Abigail's got to go tell Nabal. He, she goes into the big party. He's totally drunk, and she says, I can't tell him now. She waits until morning to tell him. When he's sober. And when she tells Nabal what she has done by returning good for evil, it says his heart becomes like stone. You know what that means? He had a heart attack. And then scripture says he died 10 days later. Don't miss the significance of him dying 10 days later. Very significant. Why didn't the Lord just take him on day one? Because there's a thing in God's vocabulary called grace. And God gave him 10 more days for him to think about his actions, to renew his heart, to repent. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? <laughs> David hears Nabal dies, and David goes and requests Abigail to come be his wife, and they live all happily ever after. Well, not all fairy tales end. Listen, as I close. I trust none of us want to be described as maniacal, outlandish, ruthless, crazy, insane. I trust that none of us want to return evil for those who have been good to us. Predictable? We know the golden rule. We apply the golden rule. But it's so easy to be predictable. It's so easy to be nice to those who are nice. And to be mean to those who are mean. But what story do you want to tell? What story do you want to tell? Bro, man, 
I was going down Route 9 the other day, and this BMW just cut me off. I was so upset. I sped up a little bit, got in front of him. I cut in front of him. I ran him up off off the shoulder. And then as he came after me, I outran him in my Ford Pinto. Half of you don't even know, remember Ford Pintos. And not a horse. Predictable. It's easy to be predictable. It's easy to write the story. But I'm asking you. Maybe we should change our story. Like Abigail. And make it remarkable. When someone is mean and nasty, you never know what they're actually going through at home. And you're kind to those who have been evil to you. You return good for evil. And you make your story one that's not predictable, but you make your story one that's remarkable. Think about this. Abigail's way is really our Father in Heaven's way, isn't it? And aren't you glad he didn't return evil for evil? But while we were yet sinners, he loved us. And he returned good for our evil. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Maniacal, I hope not. Predictable, we're all predictable. But can we change our predictability into being remarkable? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you speak through your word. And the many times that I have read this passage of scripture, the many times I I didn't even equate it to the principles of the golden rule. God, forgive me for the times I've been so predictable to a sales clerk, Forgive me for the times that I become angry at the one who didn't immediately come to my car to fill up my tank. God, forgive me for the times I've been so predictable that at a restaurant where a waitress was rude because maybe someone was just rude to her and Lord, she didn't really want to be there, but she's just trying to make ends meet and having a hard time and just tired. And didn't live up to our anticipation of what she'd be. God, forgive us. Forgive me for the times I've been so predictable. And help me to change the narrative of my story. Like Abigail, to, to be remarkable. Those who are nasty, rude. Just to speak into the life. 
be positive. Lord, help me not to lower myself to those who are evil by returning evil because then I just become like them, evil. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts right now.